Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Villains of Vinyl, Who Needs Heroes, 10th Anniversary, <laughs> Episode 3. That's such a long title. Um, I am really, really sorry about the delay in these episodes. Um, I think the last one was in, <clears throat> I was in May, I think. The summertime picked up, and I just had a lot of stuff going on, and I did not have time to get back here and do this. Work schedule was busy, traveling a lot, you know, it's just the way things go. Summer's busy for everybody. Um, but I'm finally able to make some time and do this again. I'm hoping to actually finish all of these episodes uh, before the year is up. That way it still falls under the 10th anniversary of the album. Um, <clears throat> so today we're finally... <laughs> I'm trying to remember all the things I tried to talk about in the last episodes because I didn't do a review uh, of the previous before I recorded this. Um, what I'm trying to do today, or what I was leading up to, was the album. And we're finally there. We're, we're at the album now. We're past all the shitty demos and the, 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 the trial and error situation here. Um, we're finally at the album. Uh, we started recording this in... God, I think it was 2006. It took us a year. It definitely took us a year to get done, but I don't remember when we started recording. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I have a little frog in my throat today. Uh, we started out in the garage, and it was a really interesting process because we decided to... We kind of went through... We brainstormed a lot of ideas of how the album was supposed to be, and we talked about having it be very old school and like old recording techniques... And then it turned into, uh, well, we're going to, you know, let's modernize it a little bit and we'll use like Pro Tools for post-production and things like that. So um, the drum, all the drum tracks originally were recorded on reel-to-reel um, -reel tape, which is awesome. It's a kind of weird, old, warm, like, sound to it. It was, it was I loved doing it. I think, I kind of wish we had re been able to record the entire album on tape but i we're just you know that would have taken a long time and we're not the beatles so it just we tried to speed up the process a little bit uh plus it was just uh you know four of us and only one of us was like new proper like audio engineering and everybody else was kind of along for the ride so john was the the master at the at the helm for that one um so we, yeah, we started working on the process. And originally, I mean, even in the very, very early days of things, I wanted to not have any backing vocals in uh, <clears throat> in the music at all. I was just wanting, and I didn't want to, no backing vocals and no um, sound effects. I wanted to, originally the idea was just to have it be all natural, uh, focus on the, the, the singing talent and you know, not not do anything, but just have the raw vocals. But then, as I started, you know, I was listening to a lot of different bands, and especially I was listening to a lot of Queen, and I realized that as I was listening to more music that I was getting influenced by, I, I realized less that that feeling I had towards the music was, was uh, waning, and I wasn't that interested anymore. So I really ended up wanting to do more, not, not Queen-esque vocals, but I wanted to add more um, just background stuff and layers and I just wanted the whole album to be way more robust instead of it having be more barren so that's kind of the the general start here and really what we did was we just started working on it track by track and I don't think there was any order to it we just started we got a whiteboard and we started writing down all the things we wanted to do to each song and what songs we wanted to use 
and we really just started the process of saying like let's add tambourine here and let's add keyboard here and let's add this vocal and that thing and so we started to just work on the writing process um so it's funny because the songs were already written but we actually had to in a way rewrite them to this for the studio track because we wanted to have like a a proper pro sounding album even though we were you know making it in a garage so in the funny thing about that too is some of the songs i we played them live over and over again and we god we we played we practiced them constantly in in the garage and then uh, there was just a couple tracks that i never wrote lyrics for until maybe I don't know, maybe a couple weeks before we actually had to go and record because I just, you know, I improvise a lot and I would make up a lot of lyrics on the spot and I just, um, I don't know, I just never really, I hadn't really, I settled on like a theme for a lot of the songs, but I never settled on exactly what I wanted to say in each track. So when it came, finally came time for a couple couple songs, I just had to sit down and really like really write them out. So it was, it was a full long pro that's why i mean it took over a year just because the process of us wanting to record we plus we also want to record all the music we we had written at the time so it's like 25 plus tracks uh we wanted to get it all on just in case we never recorded ever again which is sort of what happened so i think we made the right choice in the precautionary aspect because we wanted to make sure that we got all the music that we had that we had worked on until that point um even though we were starting to write new music in the garage just for live shows we hadn't really settled down on certain certain songs so we didn't feel like those were ready um <clears throat> so uh uh without blabbing on for too long i want to get you going with the very beginning of the album so i think what i'm going to do here is uh i would like to play well i'm going to do something that i've never really done and i'm not going to do it in too much detail because I don't want to give away all of the secrets, but I am going to talk a little bit about the meanings of the songs that I wrote and um, kind of give you a little more information about them. I've never, I like to, I like to keep the songs open to interpretation because some are more literal than others and some are more metaphorical. I love metaphors. That's like a writing style that I really love and enjoy and appreciate and i like it when other artists do that too um and that's just kind of the way i write i like one thing to mean something else even though it sounds like it means this other thing so i just really like that style and i like that form of poetry and writing um <clears throat> so i'm gonna give you a general idea of what the song is about and maybe it'll be really self-explanatory and maybe some of it won't be, but I'm going to give a little more insight into the, into the lyrics and the songs um, than I probably ever have before. Um, I mean, it's been 10 years. I think that's okay to talk about them a little bit. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's get going with the very beginning of the album. Um, this is called The Biggest Feelings in the Smallest Situations. Uh, this song came from a lot of different places. I started writing it years and years before we ever even played it in the band. And then I, I think I finished all the lyrics, um, after we like had been playing together in a group. And I really, I remember, I think I, <laughs> I remember I, I, there's a, there's a swear word in the song. And I remember, I think I, I wrote, I let somebody read the lyrics at one point, and they were like, I liked it until you started swearing. 
thing. And I was like, oh, fair enough. You know, I mean, that's everybody's got their own opinion. Um, I I don't know. I just this was one of the earlier songs that I'd written in my life or, or, or as lyrics go. Um, and I just, you know, I think that it, it needed some there's definitely can be some refinement. But I was highly inspired when we started writing this song and when the instrumental stuff actually started coming together i was highly inspired by led zeppelin at the time and i really wanted to capture that kind of like robert plant-esque feel of like communication breakdown or something and just early led zeppelin like zeppelin one and two were really really big influences on me when i was trying to figure out the vocals for this song and it kind of has like a punk element like hard rock element um and the song is kind of um it's based in like a relationship status where i've just it's kind of um, the things kind of crumbling and falling apart. And it's, um, I mean, I feel like the lyrics in this one are pretty self-explanatory. There's not a lot of like innuendo here. There's not a lot of metaphor. Uh, I think this, this is one of those pretty much straightforward songs. It's pretty easy to figure out. Um, I've never really had anybody try to dig deep with (laughs) this one. So anyways, here it is the biggest feelings in the smallest situations. Um, I'll give you just a little bit for the title. Um, I, I, you know, I think that when the reason why I say the biggest feelings in the smallest situations, because sometimes you can go through life and you feel really, really strongly about really insignificant things. And I feel like probably at the time that I was writing this, I probably felt very strongly about something that probably didn't matter very much. And so that was kind of the inspiration on that one, too, is that you get so worked up and so upset about something that really just doesn't really matter very much. And it can sometimes affect relationships and it can sometimes, you know, affect your your work environment or whatever. Um, this isn't a self-help thing that I'm trying to do. It's just, that's kind of where I was, you know, where my mind was at when I was putting this together. So anyways, enjoy the very beginning of the album. Oh, God damn it. I know that I'm going to just keep rambling on and on. I did want to give a quick little tip about the, or a little insight onto the very, very beginning of the track. When I talked to the guys about writing the intro of the album, I wanted it to sound, because we we're villains of vinyl, so I wanted to get like this kind of old vinyl sound. I wanted to get this um, kind of old-timey, like, old band kind of feel to it and have the quality be really low. So I talked to the guys about it, and they, on their own time, came up with something when I was never there. They came up with this little instrumental piece to play that's, you know, a little off time, a little out of key. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be this... Um, kind of funky little start, and then it's supposed to break into what we are as villains of vinyl, and we're kind of tearing through that old timey sound and breaking in with this like vibrant rock, rock and roll. So, anyways, that's the intro of the album, um, and yeah, this is the intro song to the album. So here's track number one: the biggest feelings in the smallest situations. <laughs>
All right. I hope you enjoyed the very first track there. Um, I'd like to just kind of keep this momentum going so I don't want to ramble on too long like I did in the very beginning. Um, this next track is called Heist. Uh, I, God, I wish I could remember <laughs> why I wrote this. I don't know what I was, I think I was thinking about something that was, I think I was thinking of something. I love film. I love movies. And I think at the time I was just thinking about like a song about just like a bank heist or something, you know, it just kind of was this little, like, how do you put that? How do you write like a, a story and then sing about it? And, um, it was kind of just trying to like, just kind of give a narrative to this song. And then I had written it. I wrote all, wrote all the lyrics, uh, like way before we started playing with the band. And then occasionally during practice, I would, we'd, we'd be playing a song, their instrument, they guys would come up some, some of the instrumental stuff. And then I would sometimes take something that I had pre-written and then try to line it up with the song and see if it fit. Um, heist actually did work. Um, and then we used to play that, uh, just straight lyrics through, uh, nothing, nothing fancy about that song. And when it came down to writing or putting it together for the album, we really kind of tried to add more elements to it. So I added all the, um, I thought of all these extra backups, so the yeah, 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 and all these little, those little extra pieces, and I wanted to be like this little, like, talking narrative thing that goes with it that makes these, it's almost like making comments on the situation, and it was just supposed to be a lot of fun. We, none of us really took the song very seriously, so it has this kind of, like, ska kind of, you know, poppy feel to it, but at the same time, it's got this, it's just kind of a weird, it's just a weird song, I think, and it's, we even were, you know, debated for a long time where to put this on the album. We like, we all liked the song, but we just didn't really know where it didn't, I don't know if it was the one, I don't know if it fit, maybe it should have gone on the B-sides or something, but I think that it's an interesting song, and I'm glad, it, it varies the album a bit, though. It's really strange to go from, like, really, really kind of, like, harder rock and roll to this weird kind of, like, Scottish song. I don't know, Scottish pop song, you know, whatever. Um, so, yeah, this is really, there's this, the, there's no meaning to the lyrics in this one. It's really just supposed to be a fictional. It was just me kind of, like, trying to write a story, a quick story, and then sing about it at the same time. So it's just about, it's essentially about a bank heist and, uh, you know, things getting out of, out of hand. Uh, it's supposed to be a lot of fun, and I hope you enjoy it. Uh, here is track number two, Heist. Yeah, you're gonna be 
heist um this next song is i think it might be my favorite track on the album uh i'm not i I don't know if i've really come down to a final decision on that one but uh this this song is just i put we put a lot of work into it a lot of thought into it um i love the fact that there's that it's played with a slide guitar um there's just so many elements about the song, the bass line that Sean has is just, I think, is super killer. Um, I love the way the song turned out. I love the way our mix turned out. Uh, we had to mix songs multiple times through the process. And this one, one of the first mixes we did, one of the first songs we finished on the album was this song. And at one point, the song had been remixed for some reason, and I hated it because I loved the original mix so much. And I remember just, like, getting angry and telling John, I was like, what the hell happened? We need the old version. Where'd that go? Why did you change it? I remember that was a big thing between all of us talking about it. And, um, we ended up, he ended up finding an old file with the the original mix on it and we were able to salvage it, which I was extremely happy about. Um, instead of trying to go back and remix the song again, we just, it was great to find that, that old, uh, the original mix on it. Um, yeah, this song just has a lot of elements. There's that little, can't remember the name of the damn instrument anymore, but it sounds kind of like a little, almost sounds like a shaker, but it's this, um, God, why can't I remember the name? It doesn't matter, but it's a piece of wood with a, a chain wrapped around it, and uh, it has like a kind of like this little, I got to play that. I played the tambourine in the song. I actually got to like kind of pick up some other instruments and do some stuff, and I really love the breakdown, and I love the effects. Like I wanted the the effects to have like that. Um, during during this little, little bridge is where it's like, and the sting of the blue bottle, and it's it's getting all kind of heavy. I kind of wanted to have that like kind of Elvis vibe to it, with in the voice aspect, but also I wanted it to um, kind of sound like it had gone underwater. And um, it's just this kind of I love the breakdown. I think it's so cool, and I love like the little like kind of 1960s influence, like backing vocals, the yeah yeah yes, and all that stuff. I just think everything about it. And there's these kind of I, I try to do this kind of like monk um hum for like during the as after the second verse starts and that was kind of to signify that there was like war that there was like battle that it just kind of had all these these crazy elements so i have a i had a lot of in my mind when i was putting this song together and again this song is going to follow in a, a theme that actually is pretty much rampant throughout this album but it's about a destructive relationship <laughs> i've had a lot of uh, a lot of those in the past and I 
used to write about him. So uh, this was a relationship that I had, and it was, I mean, there are always creative liberties taken in these songs because it's not like a true account of every single thing that's ever happened because obviously that's not, I don't write, to, I'm not writing it like a, you know, I'm not writing my life story here. I'm just, I'm trying to like, you know, vent a little bit and at the same time uh, bring some creative light into everything and just kind of, you know, uh, spice it up a little bit. Uh, but this is, a, yeah, the, the song is essentially about uh, being the man of war is the person that is the, I kept, you know, is kept fighting, kept fighting and fighting and fighting. And it was always just the, you know, you you care about somebody, you you really want them to have a good life, but at the same time, you just can't seem to not battle. And this song was just about just being the man of war and the fighter, you know. And so it's also a double meaning, you know, there's the man of war, the jellyfish, which is deadly stings can kill you and then there's also the whole aspect of being the man of war like the you know i'm just i think i feel like you can figure it out on your own but yeah there's a lot of like um metaphor in this and i love that i just love this song a lot i love the way it came out it's a little long but i i like that i'm a old school music fan i love long tracks um i think this is great and i love just i just love everything about it it's probably my favorite track on the album so here it is man of war
I hope you enjoyed Man of War. I know I do. Um, <clears throat> this next track is uh, <laughs> I don't I don't even know. This is a uh, this next track is Impure Thoughts, um, and it it's pretty much this is really really literal. There's no <laughs> there's no hiding it. Um, uh, I when I wrote this song actually when I w- I wrote the lyrics when I was in uh, high school. And I remember there was a, I was in creative writing. I think I wrote it in creative writing, actually. <laughs> I never shared this with the class, but I wrote it during that, that class. Uh, I was in a creative writing class, and there was a girl who was very attractive, and uh, she was the motivation for, <laughs> for this horribly dirty song. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, these lyrics are totally straightforward. There's nothing hiding it. Uh, and this is totally inspired by old school Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, I love their, like... If you ever listen to the first couple albums, it's totally like fast, funk, punk, slap bass. 
Um, it's just a, you know, really quick, fast lyrics, you know, and that was, that was my inspiration. And when we wrote, when we, however we were putting it together in the, uh, in the, you know, while writing it, I was just, I think that I even probably brought that up as like, you know, let's do this as like a, a really like fast punk song or like funk punk kind of thing. So really, and we just, I think it was also for the, the band itself to see, to challenge each other and to see how fast we actually could all play and sing. <laughs> I think that was just a big thing to see, like, how, how fast can everybody do this? And so I think that even during live shows, the song got faster. And then, you know, a couple times for live shows too, you know, to play around with it, we also played it really slow. So uh, I think that's just kind of, you know, like to mix things up a little bit uh, here and there. But song's very quick uh because it's fast um so yeah see if you could catch all the terrible <laughs> lyrics of this song um and here is impure thoughts oh yeah you know baby remember all those times we made that love all night yeah well, that was fine but i found something new That was Impure Thoughts. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope uh, hope you can uh, control yourself a little bit. You're not too uh, too turned on afterwards. <laughs> um, all right, this next track is Showy Lady Slipper. Um, so the Showy Lady Slipper is I got inspired one day when I saw this uh, really beautiful flower. Um, sounds funny but i saw this really beautiful flower and it had this picture and it was a i think it's called showy's lady i can't remember if it's showy's lady slipper or i'm not i'm gonna remember the actual name of the flower but the the title of the uh song is very close to that and this this flower just kind of like it kind of had a story to it. it had this this thing behind it and originally when i started writing this song it was kind of like an opus or something you know it was just kind of it, it started to get bigger and bigger in my mind as we talked about it and when John and I started talking about putting this song together or getting the guitar line and all this stuff, we, was, we started working on a song in a very, very early stages of practicing in the, um, in the garage. And 
we the more we talked about the song, the more the bigger we wanted it to be. And I think that we went a little bit beyond our means with this with this track because we really like in our minds we wanted like a string you know, like a string section. And, you know, John was talking about like, you know, kind of compensating with that with some, uh, like using synth. And he kind of did that too. He, he added these little pieces in there that are, are, I really, I really like them a lot, but there's a lot, a lot, a lot of layering to the song. There's different backing vocals per verse. There's, um, there's try, I tried to change up pacing and try to change up, even though the, it's, it sounds sort of repetitious, the actual amount of changes that we tried to put into the, into each track is there's a lot of actually variation in there. So backing vocals are very different, but they were, they were, I didn't, we, we, we mixed them down quite a bit. I think I could, I would have been okay with bringing them up a little bit more after, you know, after all is said and done. Um, just because some of the little intricate parts of the things that we did or the things that we changed or making each section different, sometimes you can't, it's not the easiest thing to hear. It's actually better to listen to this album, uh, on a really nice pair of headphones. If you have it, if you have a nice pair of headphones, I highly recommend listening to this whole album from start to, from start to finish with a nice pair of headphones. Um, so yeah, impure thoughts. Uh, no, sorry, I'm not impure thoughts. Sorry, showy lady slipper. Um, yeah, it was inspired um, by this flower, and it really just started to kind of unfold all these thoughts in my mind. And I got up in the middle of the night, I remember, and just kept writing verses to this. I was just like, I couldn't sleep. I had to write this down. Um, and I I do love the way that this kind of the poem kind of came about. I consider it more of a poem than. Uh, than anything because I just of the format that I wrote it in um, the song again has a bit of repetition it's a verse chorus verse chorus thing until we get to these kind of like breakdowns or you know guitar solos and stuff so we want really want to turn this into a really beautiful pretty song and I think we did a pretty good job um, I still think there's a lot of room for improvement on this song and I would love to if I ever had the opportunity I would love to go back and do it again but with all the proper tools in place and you know actually have a string section and actually have all these you know all these other elements that we talked about wanting and needing you know to do to make the song the way we wanted to make it but um, as it stands I do like the song but it is a long one so I think it stands at about uh, I think it's actually about seven seven and a half minutes long or in that range um, I remember the exact timing on it but uh yeah i hope you enjoy it it's it's got a lot of elements it's not the song's not just about one thing it's about a lot of stuff so it's kind of hard to break down and say like oh the song is this or that it's kind of about the song's sort of about love and life and just kind of everything so um hopefully you can enjoy that and here it is showy lady slipper Jesus. 
Okay, that was Showy Lady Slipper, and now we are on to Freedom Cage. Uh, I realized I was saying the track numbers when I first started this, and now I haven't been saying them. So <laughs> I think uh, you guys can figure it out, though. You're, I, I imagine you're pretty good at counting, so I don't. I guess I don't really need to say the track numbers. Uh, I am doing this in order of the album, so track one to seventeen or whatever the hell many songs we have on the have on the album. Um, Freedom Cage was also a song that went through a lot of work. Uh, originally, there was a bunch of backing vocals that were going to go with this, and I really wanted to do a big kind of like doo-wop sort of thing with it, and when I started to put it together, I just don't think it came out in the way that I was thinking or really the way I was satisfied with it, and I, I did so much stuff with it that I told John to not get rid of the backing vocals, but to just bring them down super low. So if you listen closely, you can hear these random little backing vocals, but you can't hear like the, all the different stuff that's going on. There was a lot of, there was like probably three or four different vocal tracks that were in part of the backing vocals, but it just didn't, it just didn't happen the way I wanted it to happen. I felt like it was distracting for the song. So that was sort of a failure on, on my part. Um, and I just, I didn't want it like, again, I didn't want it to be deleted completely because I worked on it for a while, but at the same time, I think it was just, it didn't really benefit the song in any way. So we sort of brought it down to a point where it's almost sounds like there's ghosts on the track or something. I don't know. something spooky. Uh, but, uh, yeah, freedom cage is, uh, is really about, it was about growing up. Um, and it was about being, feeling trapped while, even though you're free to move about in any way you want to, it, I was, living in Santa Cruz and I just felt like I wasn't able to I felt trapped there. I felt like I couldn't get out of there. I felt like sometimes even leaving my room was challenging. Um, and just getting things done was hard. And like, I felt like I was never going to be able to move away. I felt like I was never going to be able to get out of any. So it just kind of, uh, was just kind of a, a, a bunch of different thoughts going into that, but almost feeling like you're, you're able to go, you know, you're able to move freely about the cabin, but you're stuck inside the cabin. You know what I mean? So it's just, it, it's this kind of this freedom trapped aspect. So freedom cage, I think it sums itself up pretty neatly. Uh, I do like the song. I really love the bass and the, the guitar work. Um, I think that it's, uh, just, it's just a cool track. I kind of have that kind of megaphony little vocal on it a little bit. Cause I always thought about making a music video for this song and like it would be filmed in a jail and you know it'd be like the warden would be on the megaphone like yelling at the prisoners and that would be the you know me yelling at the prisoners and like the guys could be in jail cells like rocking out you know. Uh, I think it would have been a really cool concept if we ever had money to <laughs> make any uh, music videos. I think it would have been a lot of fun. Uh, so anyways, I hope you enjoy Freedom Cage. Your attention, please. 
All right, that was Freedom Cage, and next up is the song Just Pretending. Uh, I really like this song. It was very different um, than anything we'd done, and John and I specifically sat down one time after practice, and we just worked on this song. John was really open to just kind of, I knew that this song definitely was, was written differently than some of the other things I'd written, and it was, I wanted to approach it in a different way, and John was like, dude, let's talk about it and let's write something for it. And we just said, like, let's start with guitar work and we'll we'll kind of get a line going and then we can bring in the other guys and kind of give them the idea, you know, the thought process behind it. And that's exactly what we did. We sat down probably for an hour or two after practice one day and we were just all, you know, all alone in the garage and uh, just kind of worked on the line. And John, I kind of read the lyrics to him and I was kind of telling him like what I was thinking about, like the format and everything. And then he, and we talked about the way I wanted the, like the ending of the song. And then John just kind of, you know, fiddled around for a little bit and kind of came up with this cool guitar line. Uh, and that's really like the, the base of the start of it. It's so the, the idea behind the song is though, would a coulda, shoulda, woulda kind of thing. Um, it's that, that concept of, you know, there's all these different things that uh, you should have done, you could have done, you would have done, um, and then it's just talking about kind of the boundaries of things. You know, it just it's explaining like it's just kind of going off on. I mean, the song is again. I mean, I feel like lyrically, it's it's mostly straightforward. There's not too much metaphor in here. Uh, there's a little bit here and there, but I think that the overall point is that it's talking about life again and it's talking about, uh, you know, these are things that some people do that I don't like and this is what I do and I should have done that and I could have done that. So I think that it was a lot of the, that's, uh, that was like the, ge- the gist of the song basically. So anyways, I like the song a lot. And then at the very end um, of the song, again, hi- I was highly influenced by... Um, Led Zeppelin, and there's this part in, um, I believe it's What Is and What Should Never Be uh, by Led Zeppelin, and there's this part at the very end of the song where it just kind of breaks into this like weird little kind of like cool guitar line, and it's just kind of has this really random breakdown. It's totally different from the rest of the song, and I thought that was so cool, and I really wanted to kind of incorporate something like that into this track because it's kind of this slower... Um, almost like, you know, it's not, it's just a slow, you know, mellow song. And I really kind of want at the end to just kind of change it up on people and have it kind of break out into this kind of just kind of explosion of like, you know, you're quiet, you're contemplative, you're thinking about things and then you, your, your anger or your frustration starts to build. And then it just, all of a sudden you're just kind of yelling it out. You're like letting it go. And that's kind of the idea behind that was just that you're, it's being like retrospective and contemplative and then it, it, then you blow up with your emotions and that that's kind of the idea behind that song so anyways uh here is just pretending
Okay, and here we are at the end of the road for this episode. Um, we're about halfway through the album here after this uh, this next track. Um, I hope you enjoyed Just Pretending. And we have come to uh, one of our... If we had had radio singles, I think this would have been one of them. Um, this is the classic. Uh, this song was written very early on for us. We used to have a regular spot at this really shitty club called the Aptos Club. 
um, we had a monthly spot there and we started to treat the Aptos Club because it was a club where, you know, on a Thursday night or whatever night we were playing there, there wasn't a ton of people around. You know, you get like 10, 20 people at max for most of those nights um, until our popularity grew and then there were more people showing up for stuff like that. But for the times that we were playing there, we were, you know, nobody nobody knew who we were in town and it was just kind of us just trying learning how to grow. And I think that the Aptos Club really did benefit us in a lot of ways because we were able to we were able to kind of practice on stage. So there was a lot of, there was a lot of this like, Oh, let's jam this and let's jam that. And then we just kind of were able to experiment and also just get more comfortable playing on stage. Cause I think that that's a, especially when you start as a band, you know, trying to make sure that you guys are playing together and in time and just really cohesive. I think that's a big, a big, big aspect of that. So yeah, just the Aptos club really kind of gave us a lot of leeway to do whatever the hell we wanted to do for these, you know, hour and a half sets or however the long, I don't remember exactly how long we were playing. It was probably like 45 minutes to an hour, I'm assuming. Um, yeah, so this is the classic, but right before the classic starts, there's this little intro called, um, time is yes, just a memory. Uh, I did not title that, that track. That was John's, uh, title. Uh, he just, him and the guys, we, we talked about this kind of, uh, wanting to have this kind of Pink Floyd-esque beginning to the song. So in the, in the, like the vein of something like time from, um, dark side of the moon or something like that where it kind of has this like build up or you know shine on you crazy diamond where it just kind of has this like this build before the lyrics ever come in now obviously in a much more toned down way because we're not we weren't playing in a like 11 12 minute song like pink floyd we're just kind of trying to make like a rock and roll jam but we really wanted the kind of this cool little intro so we i talked to the guys about it and then they went off and you know i totally trusted them to do whatever the hell they wanted to do that you know would fit within that the terms of what we were talking about and then on a separate day when i was not around they recorded this little instrumental part that kind of goes with it and i think it's a nice little build up into the song and i feel like it blends nicely even though it's two separate tracks i think that the one track ends and then the beginning of the classic starts and i think that that um is really just i I like the flow of it um and the classic the lyrics um the it was actually written i wrote those lyrics i wrote the concept of the song at the aptos club i remember one night we were just jamming out having a good night there's probably like five five ten people there and this couple just out of nowhere just starts we had this instrumental jam that we didn't really like there were no lyrics to it or anything and these people just we started playing it and it kind of has that kind of classic rock kind of feel to it and oh shit all right um so this song was written at the uh aptos club it was um It was like a one random night where like, I don't know, probably five, ten people were there. And we had this instrumental jam that kind of had like a classic rock feel to it. And we'd played it a couple times before, but we didn't really just kind of made things up as we went. We didn't really have like a format for the song. We're just kind of messing with it. And in the process of us starting to play this song, this couple got up and they just started dancing to the song. And that really inspired me to like just kind of make up lyrics on the spot. But it was, I see your face from across the room. Uh, and then it's like, cause I saw these people kind of get up and it's all about dancing and it's kind of like where music leads you, I guess, is that it's not that deep. It's just like music leads you to end up becoming, um, you know, 
you're drunk, you're drinking, you know, you're drinking, you get drunk, you, you're fooling around with whatever, you know, meet somebody at the bar, you like go home, you have sex, you just, you know, music can inspire all these, these extra elements. And I think that that, that song for us just be kind of came like the party track or the, what, you know, whatever the good, the good feels track. So the classic was just in my mind, it was classic and it reminded me of classic rock. And so that's why I called it the classic because it just, uh, it just felt like that kind of had that feeling to me and it still does i love this song i think it's great uh we did you know it there's a it changed a lot over the time um that from the date from when we originally wrote it to when we finally recorded it um max is max was a, a, a drummer that came in after elijah um he max is awesome max is a really extremely talented uh drummer and he really came up with these really cool pieces near the end of the song that are kind of like the syncopated just these these roles and stuff that he just he did a great job and he really changed the dynamic and the feeling of that song for us and i think that inspired us to kind of it reinvigorated our love for that that track too especially when we we're recording it so um yeah thank you again um i'm not going to talk after this song so i'll just let this the classic play out uh thank you for tuning in i again i apologize for this this taking so long to get to episode three uh hopefully episode four i'll sh- i should be able to finish out the album and then we can go into the b-sides but the album to me the the finishing the album is the most important part because it's obviously the album is 10 years old uh the b-sides are not but i figured i could just keep this train rolling and just kind of go over everything else but because the b-sides were written at the same time as the album but we released the b-sides a year later but so i feel like it feels still falls under that category but again i really do want to finish the album and let you know, let you get that experience and understand where it all kind of came from. So again, thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope it gave you a little more insight into the songs. I hope you like the songs. Um, if you are listening to this and you are unfamiliar with how to get it, you can go to my website, rclvoice.com, and you can buy it. There's a link to buy it on there when you go to the tab that says Villains of Vinyl. Um, or you can go on iTunes. You can go on amazon you can go on any major uh any major website and usually and you can you can buy it there or uh we're on spotify too so you can listen on spotify and you can stream it um i prefer you guys buy the album but if you want to stream it then stream it that's cool (laughs) um but anyways um thank you again for listening and i will hopefully do this in a week and uh, bring you the next episode so we can kind of finish out the 10-year anniversary. Uh, if you have any questions or, you know, want to, you know, anything you want to ask and you're curious about something and you want it to be addressed on the next episode, um, just email me at eattpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, I can, I'll try to answer anything that you have on the, on the next episode if there are actually any questions. Uh, again, can't thank you enough. Enjoy the classic. Thank you.